We're on a, a series of lessons uh, called Where Miracles Live. Where Miracles Live. Uh, the week before last, when we talked about it, kind of jumped into our, our message uh, series opening uh, teaching, we talked about that miracles live in your mouth. And I would encourage you to go on the podcast and just get that and listen to that because we found out that there's power in the words you speak. Uh, you can frame your world with the words you speak. Proverbs says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so when it comes to you personally, the Bible is pretty clear, pretty clear, I see, that your life can be uh, successful, your life can be disaster, your life can be hopeful, your life can be hateful based on what you believe and what you say. So I want to encourage you, let, 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 let's, let's, let's say what we want, not say what we see. Let's say what we believe, not what we feel. Not, let's say not what the circumstances are telling us. Let, let's say what the Word of God is saying to us, and then we're going to start having more of the Word of God work in our life. Come on, everybody say amen to that, right? That, that's whether you're young or whether you're old. No, it makes a difference where you're at. It'll work for everybody. The, the Word works for everybody who just works the Word. So, uh, again, we're on this, uh, this series of lessons today that, that where miracles live. And, and, and let me just kind of jump with where we're going to go today. And then we'll build up and kind of give you some things, um, mainly spend most of our time in the Gospels. And the Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Speaking of Jesus' life and some things he said about this topic that we're going to talk about today. Uh, so I think we're going to, I think you're going to leave here a little bit better than when you came in this morning. How many of y'all agree with that? Say that, that'll be all right coming to church. Uh, so, so where we're going to go today is just, just the opening line. I want you to get it is that we, we said last week there's a miracle in your mouth that, that today we want to talk about that there's a miracle in your heart. There's a miracle in your heart. And we want to build on this this morning, that the thought, again, isn't that your heart, the pumping heart of you, but from the Bible standpoint, the heart, your heart is the real you. It's the eternal you. It's the part of you that's connected to God or disconnected from God. We could say that your heart is your spirit. It's really the Jewish culture believed that the heart was the place, the seat of the emotions of a person, the soul and the spirit connected to God. That's what they called the heart. Because when we read the Bible, we understand uh, the different authors that would tell us that when you die, your body stays in the grave, but there's two parts of you that will live forever in one or two places, heaven or hell. Your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, and your spirit will live forever. Uh, so so uh, they're, they're connected. And the Jewish culture, the Jewish uh, theologians believe that the heart was this blending, if you will, of the soul and, and, and the spirit that is eternal, going to live forever someplace. And, and so when we talk about this, that there's a miracle in your heart, we're talking about, again, the real you, uh, the, the real you, the, the part of you that determines what you believe, what you don't believe, where you go, what, where you don't go, what you allow, what you don't allow. It's the real governing part of, of, of your life. And what we know is that, is that your heart, from the Bible standpoint, we'll build on this this morning, from the authors, again, 66 books in this one book called the Bible, but, but many different authors, about 40 different authors over the course of centuries wrote this conglomerate that we have called the Bible, right? And they tell us, what we see over and over, is that your heart determines, your heart determines not only what you see, but your heart will determine how you see. 
So we all have these things called eyes, and, and yet we're going to read a scripture in just a second. In fact, you write it down, write this great scripture down in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talking in verse 22 and 23. I'll read it from the New Living Translation. But we all think, and we rightfully so, that we see with our eyes. And you do see physically with your eyes, but you see from your heart. In other words, what I see with my physical eyes processes through my heart, processes through my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions that causes me either to react or respond, causes me to engage or disengage, causes me to give, causes me not to give. What I see, what I see, but not just what I see with my eyes, because you never just see with your eyes, you see with your heart. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. He says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, notice that, your whole body is going to be filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. So Jesus says, everybody in the room, me included, I could have a healthy eye or I could have an unhealthy eye. Is he talking about your physical eye? Of course he's not. Is he talking about that all of a sudden, as we've said this many times before when talking about this scripture, that light somehow comes through your eye and it comes through your entire body? We know scientifically that is impossible. Light doesn't come through your eye and come down and light up your entire part of your body. That's not what he's saying. But what he is saying is how you see and what you see is determined by what's going on in your heart. You're seeing from the inside out, is what he's saying. Let me give you three statements I think that are important. You might want to write them down uh, based on this portion of Scripture. That whatever number one is in you reflects what is seen through you. Whatever's in you reflects what is seen through you. So you can have hope, you can have encouragement, you can have belief, you can have a miracle. Yeah, I believe in miracles. I believe God can do anything. Or you can have distrust, you can have animosity, you can have fear. God's never going to do anything. I've never seen a miracle. God's done with miracles. You can have that all in your heart and how you see every situation will be determined by what's in your heart. What's in your heart. What, and again, here, let's just keep building. Who you are inside determines what you see outside. So whoever you are, again, I'm fearful, I'm hopeful, I'm, I'm, I'm believing, I'm disbelieving, I, I'm, I'm pessimistic, I'm negative, I'm critical. And that's just who I am. Everything is filtered. I see everything through that lens. Through, through that lens. And lastly, the health of your eyes are determined by the health of your heart. Uh, so, so that, you know, the, 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 the doctors and everybody always wants to know how, how your heart health is, right? How's your heart health? Because however how your beating heart goes, your physical body generally is going to go. How, how's the blood flow going? How, how's the blood pressure? How, how are you doing with all that? Because naturally, physically, how your heart's going is how your body's going to go. And yet, your life is going to go, not just by your physical eyes, but by what's in your heart allowing you to see what God really, really wants you to see. There's a miracle in your heart, but it's going to be determined by what you see. By what you see. Uh, last year, we, we, I think we mentioned this uh, during one of our messages, and, and uh, I thought it was kind of interesting talking about a disease that's prevalent in our generation, and it's called glaucoma. And some of you know it better than I do. 
or that glaucoma is a condition that causes damage to your optic nerve and it gets worse over time. I was just last week or two weeks ago at the optometrist and, and I did real good. And she was real proud of me this time. And, and uh, yeah, man, I, 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 got, I actually got the drops in my eyes and, and I made it. Man, that was a big deal for me. Uh, but they, you know, they take pressure of your eyes and they, they stick that thing on your eye or they, and, they, and then they dilate your eyes and then she, they stick a light and they're trying to see back there. They're trying to see what's going on to make sure that there's no damage to your optic nerve. And what they say is that glaucoma is linked to a buildup of pressure in your inside eye. Notice this, pressure in your inside eye. And, and the increase in pressure, I'm just reading it to you, the increased pressure in the optic nerve transmits images to your brain. So your eye gets damaged and it transmits images to your brain that tell you, and rightfully so, you can't see that. You can no longer see that. You can no longer, your eyes just start getting cloudier and cloudier and, and, and you're, you're not able to see on the sides and all, all kinds of things that happen. So it's interesting what science have found out for us is that when that optic nerve gets damaged, that, that, that what you see changes it changes because there's damage and it's damaged glaucoma by pressure and so i think it's interesting as we talk about what jesus is saying and we know scientifically now that when we go through life and we go through pressure and we go through negative situations and we go through hurt and disappointment and all kinds of frustrating things that we all deal with sometimes the pressure of that causes us to distance ourselves from ever seeing something again because we're hurt or we're wounded and I've got so much stuff going on in my own life that I could never see something to help someone beyond myself because it's coming, it's coming from my heart. We're never going to be able to see the miracles that God wants us to have unless we change our hearts. Can somebody say amen? So here's what I want to talk about for the next couple minutes while we're all together. This miracle that I really want to center on today that's in our heart is this one word, and we're going to talk about it from the New Testament, from Jesus' life. It's this word called compassion. Here's a miracle that can be in our heart, I believe, that's in all of our hearts to a differing level that's called compassion. That If we'll generate this more and more, we'll be able to see, I believe, more and more miracles based on what we find in the life of Jesus and what he wants to do through his church, who is you and me. Uh, the definition of compassion, I think we have it for you, it just simply means to be moved with pity and emotion. To be moved with pity and emotion. It means that you're possessing mercy, you're possessing affection, you're, 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 you're in sympathy. It, 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 it becomes in you. It, it, it becomes in you. It's something that, that I, I know we have so many people in the church that, that uh, man, the, their compassion meter is super high. As soon as they see somebody or see a situation, they run to it to aid and to help and to uplift. Uh, there's some of us, maybe, maybe me, maybe you, uh, that takes us a little bit longer to get motivated to do that. I know some people that are very passionate, compassionate to help uh, hurting people, whether it's food, uh, passionate, compassionate to help uh, moms, single moms going through difficulty with children, uh, compassionate to go to the hospital. Uh, compassion, I think, is different for all of us, but somehow that we have to realize in all of our lives, we possess compassion to be used for the glory of God to help hurting people out of the mess they're in. Can somebody say amen to that? 
And this seems so, uh, like when we talk about miracles, again, maybe you're like me. I mean, I've read all kinds of miracles and all kinds of things from healing miracles back in the 40s and 50s and things that have happened. And we've seen people healed of cancer here at the church and and cool things like that that are awesome. I mean, that's, that's amazing. But there's something that I can generate this miracle every single day if I'll change my heart and change how I see situations, meaning people, to say, There is a person that needs compassion, and maybe I'm the one that can give an answer to that help. I I can help them, right, wherever they're at. I I I can aid them. I can assist them. I I can lift them up. That's where we need to go. That's where we need to live. I I thought it was interesting. I I looked at um, psychology today, and let me just kind of give you some stuff maybe to consider that's going to help you. This is going to help your... They they actually say that compassion is going to help yourself. Compassion will actually make you more happy and will actually bring health into your own life. They said at least six things. Let me give you a couple of them here. Compassion makes you happy, they said. Here's what they said. Participants in a study were instructed to spend money on themselves and for other people. The half, half of them were said, so you spend money on yourself. The other half said, you spend money on other people. At the end of the study, the people that spent money on other people felt significantly happier than those that spent all the money on themselves. Compassion makes you happy. Compassion helps yourself, they said. During stress or sadness, we are usually focused on the things that are going wrong in our lives. Research shows that depression and anxiety are linked to a state of preoccupation. When you do something for someone else, however, that state of self-focus immediately dissolves. Are you going through depression? Are you going through struggling? Are you thinking I'm all alone? Go help somebody else. Compassion makes you attractive, they said. We seek love at work in the form of recognition from our families, in the form of respect and kindness, in our romantic relationships, in the form of intimacy and social support. A study examining the trait most highly valued in potential romantic partners suggests a different story. Both men and women said that they rate above all else someone that's kind, someone that's compassionate, and someone that's merciful. Compassion makes you attractive. Compassion increases your worth in time. A Harvard Business School shows that when we act with compassion, our sense of time expands. When we give money away, our sense of abundance and wealth increases. They said helping others really helps yourself. Two more. Compassion spreads. Studies shown that when we witness someone doing a good deed to someone else, it triggers a response in us for compassion too. We've all been in that line. Have you been in that line that someone said, hey, you back there, hopefully you've done this. I got your coffee at Starbucks today. I'm paying for your coffee. And when someone in the line behind that sees that, they say it triggers a response in them. And maybe you've been there where you've been through the drive-thru, that someone gets a hamburger and fries, and they say, I'm paying for the person behind me. And they just keep paying it back. Why? Compassion spreads. Somebody's watching you being kind and considerate to somebody else. Lastly, they say compassion boosts your health. Connecting with others in a meaningful way way helps us enjoy better mental and physical health and speeds up recovery from disease and has shown that it may even lengthen our life. A life of meaning and purpose is one focused less on satisfying others and more on helping others. Listen, there's a miracle called compassion that's going to help you personally. Come on, somebody. Stir up compassion. 
Disturb compassion. Help somebody. Help. It's going to help yourself. It's going to make you more attractive. Come on. Come on. You're thinking you need to go to the gym. You just need to be a little more kind. Come on, everybody. You don't need to take that Zumba class. Take a mercy class. Come on, somebody. Maybe you need Zumba and mercy. I don't know. I don't know. Man. Uh, and it's cool. Compassion is going to help me. Compassion, you know, me individually, you individually. But, but, but. We know the Bible's not just a me Bible, not just a me gospel. It's not just, just about me. It's not just about you. It's about what God wants to do through you. So, so let's, let's talk about that, because that's really the beauty of it, that there's a miracle in your heart, this miracle of compassion, and it's definitely going to help you. But what does God want to do, want to do, want to do through you? Uh, Matthew chapter 9, I'm going to give you a couple different uh, examples here from the life of Jesus, I think, that are really important. For us to look at. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 through 38. It says this. When Jesus saw the multitudes, look at this now. He was moved, come on, help me here, with compassion for them. Because they were wearied and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plentiful. The laborers are few. And Jesus says, therefore pray the Lord, pray to the Lord, pray to the Father, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into his harvest. Notice again, notice again, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved to compassion. When he saw, he was moved. What did he see, just with his physical eyes? Mm -mm. Matthew 6, he saw with his heart. He saw people that were desperate. He saw people that were hurting. He saw people that were needy. He saw people that were confused. He saw people that were neglected. He saw people that needed healing. So again, listen, what we, what we said earlier is that, is that how you see determines what you do. I, I wish God would just kind of shake me up. But I, 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 I wish God would give me a vision. What is in your heart determines what you'll do with your life. How I see how I see. So what we know we have to do is we have to begin training our eyes to really see out of our spirit, out of our heart. Because the, 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 the problem is, is that if we're never moved by what we see, then that really is telling me and you we have spiritual glaucoma. And our eyes over time, as we know that disease, it, it, it doesn't get better by itself. It doesn't get better by itself. That our eyes over our time, our spiritual eyes, get hardened. We, we see hurting people. We, we, we see people, uh, uh, we see young, young, mom, young, young girls that had babies. And what are they, what are they doing? Stinking, sleeping around. They, they got, yeah, yeah, and they want me to pay for it. Wow, you're merciful, aren't you? You're compassionate. Let's see what happens whenever you need some mercy. You need some compassion. And all, the, and all these people, and what is, what's going on with the border and, and government? And now, and, uh, okay, that's, that's you. What happened to compassion? What happened to mercy? Yeah, protect the country. I get it. I'm down with it. But whatever happened to compassion and helping really people who need help? Got to be careful with our hearts, especially during this real quick, flipping and judgmental society that we live in. Because that it will rob us of the opportunity for God to do something in us 
to see something or a person in a situation and to bring, be people that will bring agents of change and will see God work miracles. Come on, everybody. Here he said, he sees the multitude, and they're weary, they're scattered, like, like sheep having no shepherd. Uh, so, so again, Jesus sees them. He sees something evidently nobody else saw. He, the, the disciples just see a crowd. Uh, the disciples are going, what are we going to do? Jesus sees them weary. Jesus sees them scattered. No direction in their life, just like the people you work with and people around you, maybe in your family. No direction. Uh, and Jesus says, I, I, here's, what, here's what I want you to do. Here's what he wants you to do. Here's the remedy from Jesus. And here's what he's asking you and me to do. Number one, pray first and, and then go second. He says, pray first and go second. Uh, pray the Lord of the harvest, send out laborers into the harvest, and that's you, that's me. So pray, you're, you're an answer to the prayer that God Almighty wants to happen in the earth. For you to go, full of the Spirit, full of the power of God, full of compassion, full of mercy, full of uh, uh, generosity to help, to do whatever you can do to help somebody that's hurting. When's the last time... You ever helped anybody that was hurting? Hopefully it was a short while ago. Hopefully it was a short while ago. That you saw that person and you said, I got an extra hundred bucks. I'm going to give it to them. When you saw and you looked around downstairs, maybe in our kids' ministry, and you look at some kids, let's just be real, and you go, looks like they've got some old clothes wearing their old clothes. You know what? I can help. I can do something. Uh, when have you taken your kids to school and you see some kid with a, that's hanging out with your kid and, and, and they've got a brutal backpack and backpack for a kid is pretty important. And you say, I, I can buy him a cool backpack. You saw somebody and you just took him over a meal. Or you saw somebody at work and they were all by themselves. We're not talking about money. We're just talking about you connected with them. What's going on? How, how can I pray? This is really kind of cool. Yesterday, Carlos and Jim, a couple guys here in the church, were hanging out with some men. Afterwards, they went to Starbucks, and they, and, and they were just sitting there drinking coffee, talking. And a lady comes up, a young mom comes up with a daughter, and, and uh, Jim told me this morning, uh, just, just ranting, raving, ah, my phone, my phone's broken, whatever. Can I borrow anybody's phone? So Carlos just gave him the phone. Right here, here's my phone. Dial the number. And so she had it on speakerphone, and and just problems going on, relational problems seemed like going on, and 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 then all that drama, all that drama. But Carlos and Jim know, ah, somebody, God's brought somebody to us. And so right there, Carlos just said, hey, can we pray with you about anything? So right there at Starbucks, they led a mom and a nine or ten year old daughter to Jesus. Right there at Starbucks. Just, 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 all of us, compassion. Here's somebody hurting. Here's somebody frustrated. Here's somebody going through life. I, I got something. Just, just stepping right in to somebody's drama. Would you do that? Come on, would you do that? Would you help Jesus by let's just changing our heart a little bit? I was with some people here in our church. This is back uh, in December and 
Uh, they work at a, a, a cool place out in East County Transitional Living Center, and we were talking about outreaches and stuff we want to do this year. And, and uh, 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 Claudia Moreno, she just said, you know, we got, got a lady here in the uh, ladies, you know, crazy situation. She's in a wheelchair now, crazy situation. She's got three kids. She was shot, and she can't walk anymore. And um, yeah, husband's been put away, and 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 they're there, and and and. Man, I just feel for this 14-year-old girl. It's right before Christmas, and I said, I got some money. I got some money. i tell you what we'll do. I'll give you some money. You hang with my daughter, and you let, let him go shopping. Come on, who, what 14-year-old girl doesn't want to go shopping, right? And then so Brittany, Brittany, since she's been raised in our house a whole life, she says, I got some money too. And so she takes this 14-year-old girl out and buys her all kinds of stuff. Why? Compassion. Compassion. Trying to work in a heart to let you know. Doesn't make a difference what it looks like right now. Doesn't make a difference what you've been through. God is a good God. Come on, everybody. Let, 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 let's be this kind of people. Let's pray and then let's go. Come on, can we do that? Can we pray? And, and there we go. Uh, uh, Jesus. Look at this real quick in John 14. Uh, the scenario of John 14, it, it starts out the whole first uh, about 13, 14 verses is, is that John the Baptist has been, uh, uh, he's been put in prison and, uh, because uh, he told Herod that he can't have his brother's wife. And so a uh, crazy situation. Herod didn't like it, so Herod put him in jail. And, and then you know the story, if you've read, read that portion, is that, is that Herod got drunk and bad things happen when you get drunk because you start talking about stuff that's crazy. And so Herod's getting drunk and he's smoking weed probably you know this is me talking right he's snorting some stuff and he says to the girl he says ah he says ah, uh, whatever you want will you give me whatever you want i'll give you half the kingdom and, and so she goes to her mother and she says what should i ask and mama's wicked and mama says ask him for john the baptist's head and so herod doesn't want to be shamed in front of all his friends and he so he says go cut the brother's head off and so they cut John the Baptist's head off, and John the Baptist's disciples come, and they get him, and they bury him. And here's the scenario right after that in Matthew chapter 14, verse 13. When Jesus heard of it, heard that, by the way, John the Baptist was Jesus' cousin, six months older, grew up with him, hung out with him. He, John the Baptist was a forerunner of Jesus. John the Baptist baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. They were very close. When Jesus heard of it, he departed from there by a boat to a deserted place by himself. Yeah, he's feeling bad. His cousin just got his head cut off. Emotionally, he is drained. I'm, I'm sure he's thinking, if they did it to him, what's going to happen to me? Uh, but when the multitudes heard that he was by himself, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw... A great multitude. And he was moved with compassion for them and healed the sick. I don't know about you, but man, I'd say, come on, give me some nitro monkey coffee. Give, leave me by myself. Don't nobody come talk to me. Leave me alone. My, my, my friend has been killed. I don't want to talk to nobody. Don't be texting me. I want to be by myself. The, the, the door to the shop, counseling sessions are closed. Don't ask me for nothing. I'm taking a sabbatical 
for about two months. Not this guy who we serve called Jesus. And not this guy who we serve called Jesus who now lives in you. Who now lives in you. Uh, so, so, so my question to me and you is when you're hurting, when you're confused, when it's not going well for you, will you still have compassion to push past that and reach hurting people? Because here's what I think. I think that when we're hurting, we somehow think that I, 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 I'm past God being able to work through me because I just got so much stress in my life right now. I, I got some glaucoma building up and I can't see you because I'm in so much pain myself. You don't know what's going on in my life. You don't know what's happening in my marriage. You don't know I got no money right now. You don't know. And, and now you want me to help you. You want me to see your situation. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what God's asking. That's what I want. If you want to see a miracle, it's not going to happen by might or power, but come on, by my spirit. The spirit of God working through you. That God can do something in you by you just opening up your heart and saying, I've got compassion for other people. Uh, other people. Uh, the, compassion was actually in the New Testament here about Jesus' life was associated with at least five of Jesus' miracles. Five of them. Let's get a couple of them here before we, we, we wipe, wipe out here today. Um, Mark chapter 1. So the compassion of Jesus, uh, Mark chapter 1, look at this with his leper story. It, it says a leper came to him, imploring to him, kneeling down and saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was moved with compassion. Come on, say moved with compassion. Stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. As soon as he spoken, immediately the leprosy uh, departed from him and he was clean. Uh, so, so again, think with me now. Uh, and, and, and I'm down with it. Uh, the, the healing part of it, I believe in it. He was wondering if Jesus... You know, wanted to. He knew he's, he could. I know you got the ability, but I'm just not sure of your willingness. And Jesus just said, I'm willing. Stretch out his hand. So, so I'm cool with whoever needs healing. Man, we stretch out our hands. We believe God in Jesus' name that by Jesus' stripes you were healed. We see compassion from our heart reaching out to all kinds of hurting people. He is the same again yesterday, today, and forever. But, but, when, but when it comes to even beyond healing... When you see hurting people, lepers were, were, were the isolated people of their day. They, they were the people that were ostracized of their day. They were people that were in colonies and taken away from society. How would that work on your mind if you couldn't ever hang out with anybody anymore? And Jesus says, go to these kinds of people, reach out to them, touch them, release a word of encouragement, release a word of blessing. Let me use you to be an agent of my compassion flowing through you to touch people who are hurting all over the place. We live in a society of just broken, hurting, confused people that don't have leprosy and spots on the outside, but they got leprosy and spots on their souls. Through all kind of neglect and hurt and abuse that you can't see, but it's inside them. And God's asking you and me, would you let me use you and would you work on your heart so you could really see beyond the cool hair and the makeup, beyond the cool car and looks like you got your act together, beyond the house and what, all that to just say, you need, you need Jesus. And I'm going to come, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to give, and I'm going to be there, and I'm going to let God 
flow through me and bring a miracle in your life. Come on, somebody say amen. Would you do that? I love this scripture over in the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Just part of it in one translation says this. It says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, compassionate hearts. Uh, put on. I like that. It's, it's talking to us about put on the Lord Jesus Christ. One, one translation says there. Uh, put on, since you're chosen by God, just put on c- compassionate hearts. Put, put, let, let your heart be open to what God's doing in compassion for all kinds of people. Uh, you know, how, 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 how much does it take to move the needle in, in our lives? Or again, do we just get so hurt or so closed like, we don't even see the problem anymore. I think it's interesting, I've said it before, that you look at Joseph, who was the favorite son of his father. He had the coat of many colors, and his brothers hated him for it. He was the favorite son. It's like they're out, you know, keeping the sheep and doing all the work, and he's at home drinking lattes, and and, uh, the brothers hated him. And then they came up with a plot to kill him, right? But then something happened when he was in jail. After all these years later, the Bible says when uh, there was a butler and a baker there that got thrown into jail, the Bible says he actually saw them in pain, saw their need. He never did it before. Now, why? He, he, he was almost like just not moved with compassion. I got my life. It's all great. I don't see what anybody else is going through. And God never used him that way. But somehow, when he came to rock bottom... He could actually see what he didn't see before. I'm not praying you get to rock bottom, but I'm praying that you stir up this miracle in your heart, allowing compassion to flow through you. Amen, everybody? Candace, come on, help me. Would you do it? Let me give you a couple, couple more. In Luke chapter 7, there's a story of Jesus going into, a, going into town. He's going to Nain, and he, this city called Nain, and there's a widow woman that he, that's there, and, and evidently just says that she's got a son that's died, so she's lost her husband, and she's lost her only son. It, it's a crazy story, because it's the only time that we see it, only recorded here in Luke, Luke chapter 7, Jesus sees this woman, <laughs> she's weeping, she's already lost her husband, and she's got this casket, and they're going through town, and, and that's her son says, Jesus has compassion on her. There it is again. And he says to her, don't weep, don't weep. Then he came and he touched the open coffin, it says here. And those who carried him stood still. And he says to this body, young man, I say to you, arise. Now, I believe this. I've never seen this personally, but I believe this. I believe there's power available, as God wills, that the dead rise. I've heard of stories like this. Maybe some of you have too. I believe it from the gospel. We see it in Peter's life. We see it in Paul's life. I've never had it, and I'm telling you, I've never known anybody personally that the dead have been raised. But I believe that. But beyond the dead being raised back to life again physically, how about this? How about all of us? Allow God to work in us and work through us with what it says here about Jesus, with compassion. And the dead things in people's lives get resurrected. Get resurrected. Been divorced, been neglected, were abused physically, spiritually, emotionally, sexually. But somehow God uses you and your story and that which is dead 
get, gets raised up. How? By seeing, seeing a person and allowing compassion in your heart to be able to go and, and minister and meet the need. Uh, just lastly, last thing I want to talk to you about right here real quick. Uh, there's a story in great detail. I can't take time to read it today, but Matthew chapter 18. It's a story. It's called, the headline of the story in your Bible would be this, the parable of the unforgiving servant. That's what it's listed at, Matthew 18. And the story of the parable is that a guy uh, has an in, uh, insurmountable debt to pay. Can't pay it back. So he goes to the guy and he falls down. Actually says this in verse 26. He falls down and, and he says, Master, have patience with me. I'm going to pay you all the debt. I'm going to pay you everything. And the master was moved with compassion. <laughs> moved with compassion and he released him the debt, forgave him everything. That's what the Bible says. It was insurmountable. Uh, you know, one Bible that I've got says it was, it was $10 million. The guy, it was impossible for him to pay. It never paid the debt. How he got into that kind of debt, we don't know. Couldn't pay it. But he comes, he begs him, he says, I'll pay it all. I'll pay it all. And he just forgives him. Then the guy who was forgiven, the servant, finds another friend who owes him about $100. The story says, grabs him by the throat, says, pay me everything you owe me. Pay me everything. And he couldn't pay. The same scenario. He falls down at his feet and says, give me time. I'll pay it back. And he says, no. And he throws him in jail. The man who forgave the $10 million debt hears about it. He's furious. He then takes that servant and throws him in jail. The story ends where both men were in jail, were in prison, over this debt and the unreleased ability for that man to forgive that man. They both were in prison. The scenario is telling us that in interpersonal relationships, we have to exercise a ton of compassion for one another and forgive every offense and every wrong that ever comes our way. Otherwise, we and our relationships with one another, husbands, wives, kids, work people, people in church, all of a sudden there's a wall that goes up that's called prison. And the relationship gets severed we don't see God working in us and working through us. And so I see just a real quick, just a real easy three-step scenario that I think we'll we just close with today that we all could follow along in this parable of the unforgiving servant. When you're dealing with situations concerning interpersonal relationships, let me encourage you, number one, it's your obligation and duty to reply to a person, meaning Go to them. You've hurt me. You've wronged me. That could be difficult conversation. Uh, you, you wounded me. I'm just telling you. I, I need to talk to you about it. And what you need to do after that is you need to release the debt to them and release it to God. Maybe they never forgive me. Say, ah, what are you talking about? Ah, that's just between you. Ah, you're crazy. Okay. All right. I released it to them. 
I release it to God. And lastly, the beautiful part for you and my, my sake is that we just return to living. We just return to our life. We return to living. We're not going to be bound. We're not going to be crippled by it. So listen, reply to a person, reply to a situation, release it to God, release it to them, release it to God, <laughs> and then just return to living. Don't think about it. Just don't think about it anymore. Let God be God. Listen, there's a miracle in your heart, and that miracle from the life of Jesus who lives in you now is called compassion. How's your compassion? Come on, bow your head. Would you do it? Father God, today, we got hurting people all around us in our homes, in our workplaces, different ministries, people that maybe if we don't see correctly, we're not going to get a chance to minister. Help us change our hearts so we can see with our eyes. Help us with pity and mercy and compassion. We're going to stir it up, oh God. We're going to let it out. So we put on compassionate hearts. Every leper around us, every person who's isolated and lonely and confused and hurt, help us see. You said in Mark 1, the leper came to Jesus. So, Father, we're asking you that we see who's coming to us right now. Who's around us right now. Who can we help right now? Not just financially, maybe that's it. Emotionally, pray. Friendship. Help us see. Help us see beyond ourselves. Help us see in our own struggle, in our own situation, we're needing you to show up. But Jesus, you were hurting after John the Baptist was killed. And yet still you move with compassion. So we know that we've got that capacity in us because of you. So come on, right now before we go, listen, just for... Ten seconds. Who's that person right now? Who's that person in your life right now? Who's that person at work right now? Who's that neighbor? Who's that friend? Who's that person at the gym? Who's that person at the, at the Starbucks or the coffee shop? Who's that person that you're developing a relationship with or you're seeing and you're going, I need to talk to them. Put them on our heart, oh God. Put them on our heart. That we can move with compassion. Come on, right there where your head's bowed, your eyes closed, no one looking around. This is probably the most holy time of the service. I want to give you just a time personally to connect with God. Meaning, the question that all of us have to answer sometime in our life, and then re-answer maybe a couple different times if we leave God, is do you know God? Do you know Jesus? Are you born again? Are you right with God? Are you a Christian? Are you sure you're going to heaven? If you died today, do you...